Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Nick Rabasardi from the VIP Mexican Restaurant and Lounge. VIP has been around since the 1970s, and this year they won Best Mexican Restaurant in the St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Awards. Kevin and I will also discuss how the seafood industry has been hurt the most out of all food suppliers during the COVID-19 pandemic. We have a great show, so stick around. Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. They offer build-your-own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving and put you in charge. There are actually 6,432,189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by build-your-own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm, but I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later, and I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day, and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday, and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. So I just learned last week that the coronavirus pandemic is actually hurting the seafood business worse than the meat industry. That's not what you hear on TV and the news and all that. That's weird. Well, of course, I got this from the Wall Street Journal, one of my favorite publications. They're always a few weeks ahead of everybody. And I'll be watching the news on TV or whatever, and they're talking about something that I read in the Wall Street Journal like a month ago. Yeah, I know. Like it just happened. So even though people are actually cooking more seafood at home right now, but that's because they're cooking more at home in general, Mm -hmm. it doesn't come close to offsetting a 70% decline in sales to restaurants. Wow. Right. And it turns out that most seafood is consumed in restaurants and very little at home. Right. Now I can see that because it's true Mm -hmm. for us too. I mean, 
we cook seafood at home, but it's definitely what we cook the least at home. I agree. And, and how about oysters? Who shucks their own oysters? Well, the people that got them from Lost Coast this past <laughs> <I guess>. month. <laughs> and there's, there's a place in Seattle, uh, Shellfish, Taylor Shellfish Farms in Seattle. They are posting oyster shucking video tutorials to try oh. to help with that. Speaking of which, the uh, Oyster Bar on Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete is open for dine-in, both indoor and outdoor, and they're offering takeout and delivery through Bite Squad and Uber Eats, just as a side note there on oysters. Do they shuck them for you? <laughs> That's a good question. We'll have to find out. So some of the unsold seafood is being frozen, but sadly, some of it's just being thrown away. Right. Which we heard that's happening in the meat industry too. Well, there's only so many freezers you can... Yeah. So here's, here's a quote from the article. I'm just reading this bit from the article. Sean O'Scanlane, chief executive of Illinois-based Fortune International, once sold 70% of his seafood to restaurants. Now he's supplying more salmon to supermarkets and shrimp to meal kit companies like Blue Apron Holdings and HelloFresh. The company is approaching 80% of its typical sales volume, Mr. Scanlane said, and has held on to its 500 employees, in some cases redeploying truck drivers to pack tilapia for meal kits. We're doing whatever we can to keep busy and find new customers in a world that's been turned upside down. And sales at Samuels & Sons Seafood Company, so this is from the article, quoting from the article, a Philadelphia-based supplier to restaurants, hotels, and casinos Crashed 75% over a few weeks in March, said owner Sam D'Angelo. Workers stockpiled what they could in freezers and drove 10 tons of fresh lobster, clams, and mussels worth more than $100,000 to a landfill. Oh, my God. Yeah, and the company laid off half of its 400 employees. What a waste. As it, as it works to stay afloat, the company has expanded a fish market in the lobby of its headquarters and added home delivery. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right? Yeah. Got to be creative these days. Samuels and Son also retooled its main processing plant to package more fillets for grocers and created prepared meals like tuna meatballs. <laughs> I think I want some tuna meatballs. Oh, I'll try it. Okay. Yeah. That should be interesting. So, sorry to hear that about the seafood industry. Yeah. But it does make sense, you know. I, I'll more often order seafood out than make it at home. And I guess that's true for most people. Ironically, the last couple of days, I've been targeted on Facebook by these seafood home delivery companies. There you go. First uh, six-month package. For, it, it's expensive, at least I think it is. I guess it really isn't, but $130 a month. Maybe but, we should order some. Yeah, I'm thinking we should order some. So. All right. All right. Overall, it seems that there's pockets of things and places and businesses starting to pick back up, still very far from, quote, normal. Right. Yeah, that'll be a while. Yep. So after this word from our sponsors, we'll be back with Nick Reposardi from the VIP Mexican Restaurant Lounge. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to go to Noble Crust. What? You've never been? No way. Check this out. They do both food from the South and Italian, and they do an amazing job at both. They have some of the best fried chicken, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. The fried green tomatoes are not like anyone else's. They call it the FGBLT, but I think they should call it the OMG, because it has Tabasco honey pork belly and pimento cheese, and it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. Noble Crust also made six of St. Pete Foodie's best of list, 
best Italian, casual dining, best pizza, Bloody Marys, meatballs, and best salads. If Noble Crust is already one of your favorites, then I have good news. They're expanding their service hours. Starting on February 7th, they'll be open for lunch on Fridays, and they'll start opening on Mondays for dinner starting February 10th. As always, on Saturday and Sunday, there's an awesome brunch starting at 10.30, and the deviled eggs are one of my favorites. The St. Pete location is on 4th Street North and 83rd, and they also have locations in Carrollwood and Wesley Chapel. You can check hours and menus at noble-crust.com. Noble Crust is a must for your next lunch, brunch, or dinner. Please welcome the owner and manager at the VIP Mexican Restaurant and Lounge, Nick Reposardi. Yes, welcome, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. Yeah, so I want to uh, upfront congratulate you on winning the Best Mexican Restaurant in the St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Awards for 2020. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's an honor. Um, we were up against, you know, some, some restaurants that I really, almost every, every restaurant listed, I, I respect 100%, you know, and um, Red Mesa is a place, Cantina in particular. Mm-hmm. I love that place. And I always assume they're going to win everything. So <laughs> I didn't even think I might. But I put a thing on Facebook like, hey, vote for us. Let's see if we can get some. Even though there's like creative loafing things and other contests, I don't expect it. But that was a big surprise to us. And it was really, uh, it was really awesome to, to win it. So, and, it, and it's great. It was pretty awesome. And yeah, Red Mesa Cantina actually was in a close second. Yeah. But they, so, yes. So that, and that was people's choice. And then also, uh, we. This past February, we came out with the top 10 best Mexican restaurants for 2020, where that's where we choose. And VIP is on that list. And just the other day, we released, we didn't release any more top 10 lists for a while because of COVID-19, but I had 10 best taco places ready to go for March. And then, you know, everything went to hell. So we just just released 10 best taco places and VIP is on that as well. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I, I love what you guys are doing, to, to be honest. Like, uh, there's a couple of different uh, – I, I came across you guys and, and learned about the St. Pete, uh, Pete Foodies through uh, – I had been involved with there's – a, there's a Tampa Bay Restaurant Review one or some other ones. Right. And then um, I got recommended to join your group, and I did, and I started seeing that. And, and um, I, I – you guys are legit. Like it's really cool. Like your website, everything. It's it's really cool what you're doing. I'm, I'm pissed that I didn't learn about you guys earlier, but uh, <laughs> now I am. I'm in it, and my wife is in it. She loves the podcast, and it's cool. I'm gonna make sure all my staff gets. Obviously, after this, you know, if and when it gets, you know, I post it up. Uh, they can all listen to me fumbling around like an idiot. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you remind me of a character. Uh, the show was well. Kevin Spacey is not a good topic for right now, but the show was awesome <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, what was oh, it? House of Cards. House of Cards. Mm-hmm. The character was Peter Russo, played by Corey Stoll. So, anyway, did, did you ever okay. watch House of Cards? I, I well, for a brief moment, for like a few episodes at one point when we were looking for stuff to watch, but the only person that stuck out for me was Kevin Spacey. But I, I've gotten, and it's funny, like 
not to like overlook that uh, I've I was at Wawa the other day and someone told me that I look like a character from Grey's Anatomy. Like, you look like this guy from Grey. Like, like, okay, cool. I don't watch that show either, but so I and while I was waiting for my coffee, I brought it up. I'm like, okay, I guess I can see that. It's funny. I have a lot of doppelgangers out there. I guess that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So you should have the cards guy. You should have said that you were that person and give him a fake autograph. I, I you know what? It, it crossed my mind. It definitely <laughs> did. So let's let's find out about you. I see you are originally from Key West. Yeah, well, born in Jersey. Oh, cool. It's, Me too. Uh, you both are Jersey yeah, boys. Yeah, born in, born in Freehold, New Jersey. Um, and I we we moved to Key West when I was seven. Ah. And um, and the reason being for it, the funny thing about it is, like, my father was a uh, he was a computer engineer. He had his own business, and um, yeah, his side of the family, my dad's side of the family, is strictly uh, 100% Italian. My mom Polish little uh, weird mix there but um being in that that italian strong family thing his parents my grandparents owned a rest uh, a restaurant a hotel in key west they owned a hotel cool. and wow. they convinced my father to move the family from new jersey to key west and open a restaurant attached to his hotel which was right at the very South side of Duval Street, the very popular strip of uh, of Key West. Right. It was on South Street. And uh, it was called the Atlantic Shores. And they, they opened my, – my father's name was Jerome. They opened a restaurant called Jerome South Street Cafe. And that's how we – But I, so basically people ask where I'm from. I, I'm born in Jersey, but I, I grew up in Florida. I grew up in Key West. Pretty basically. cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. grew up in North Brunswick, New Jersey, which is not far from Freehold. Maybe back oh, then. We, I lived in East. I think it was called East Brunswick at one point. Yeah. It was it was Freehold, born in Freehold, lived in East Brunswick, and then lived in Keensburg, which I don't know in relation to anything. It was near like the shore. There was like water, I think, but uh-huh. you know, <laughs> the memories are not good. Cool. So, so you've had uh, restaurants uh, in your whole life. Yeah, yeah. Since since we moved down, once we moved down to Key West, and my father opened that restaurant and ran that restaurant. Now, even at the age of like eleven or twelve years old, he had me back there doing dishes, helping out, doing all kinds of stuff awesome. in his restaurant. And that particular restaurant, yeah. So I've been in the industry for a pretty good good while. Cool. And you went to UF? Yeah, University of Florida. So go so Gators. Heck yeah. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But uh, just to to kind of like compact it all. So my father ran that business, that that restaurant attached to my grandparents, his his parents hotel until about 93, where my my grandfather decided to retire and sell the entire thing. And for a while, my my father. So that was involved, too. Like the, the restaurant was going too. everything was being sold in the package. And he looked around for other restaurants and he enjoyed doing it. He kept doing computer consulting on the side. That was his main thing. He sold a pretty lucrative business just to move down. Um, but he kept looking. He couldn't find and, and at that time, Key West was booming. Everything was very expensive. And at the same time, I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. He was graduating high school and he was accepted to USF. So, which is what brought him to look at this area and start kind of canvassing the area to see what's available. Spent some time looking at all these different businesses right on the beach over here. He looked at what was 
used to be referred to as Cadillac Jacks. It's now, what is, oh, it's Captain Bill's now, but it's changed so many times. Oh, right. That, Location. He looked at what's the daiquiri shack now. It used to be the dolphin something and the balloon pat or something. Looked at a lot of places. He found this place. I and I even I still have his prospectus that he he sent out to the banks to get funding to to you know attain the business and how he saw a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. And it was when he brought me when he brought us up here. I was I was devastated because I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm leaving all my friends. I'm in the middle. I'm just I was a freshman in high school at the time. We're gonna be moving Key West. I grew up there basically. We're moving up to this area I don't know. And he found this place and he brought us up here, the whole family, and we ate there as customers just to see and kind of feel it out. And I was not happy. I'm like, this is <laughs> a something. You know, it was it was dark, it was smoky. They had complete smoking in there. There was there was no non-smoking. There was all smoke in there. It was a bar. It was a dingy dive bar. There was no front window with light coming in. It was all it was it was gross. And uh, <laughs> I, I was I was very unhappy with the decision he made. And he moved us up here and and he started running it and and doing his thing. And and um and it was it was rough. It was a rough time. It, it had been a rough time. Um, and then he passed away. He had a heart attack. He passed away when, in '97, right about when when I was graduating high school and I was getting and so he brought up UF. So then I, so that all dropped in my mom's lap. She, I mean, she always worked for the restaurant. She always worked with my father and she, you know, she would uh, serve tables and do whatever, but he was the guy and she got that all dropped on her lap. And what was it I called, what was it called then? Was it VIP then? It was always a VIP. The funny thing about it, I think if I, so I don't know the exact full history cause I, I know the previous owners, before we bought it in 93, there was a guy named Joe Imbruglia and Linda Sweet. They were partners. And, and Linda actually still comes in every now and then. I should actually sit down with her and pick her brain a little bit more on it. But uh, And we have some old pictures that are fun to look at. But um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a VIP as far back as the early 80s. And, and the, the place was a restaurant in the 70s. I think it was called something else at one point, like the Black Pearl or something else. Oh, right. But it was a VIP for a long time. And they always did focus on Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird, like, the menu was very odd. I still have the very odd old menu that, that they had. Like, uh, and again, it was a whole different time back then. Right. You know, a, uh, a basket of fried smelt and uh, <laughs> some really odd things on there. But, they, but the wet burrito was there. Chips and salsa, fajitas, burritos. A couple of things that have always remained were always there. And but yeah, the, the the VIP is almost like a landmark here in, in Treasure Island in terms of, even though it was like very much viewed as a bar that had some food if you were hungry, it wasn't known like it is now as a restaurant that has great food and we also have good drinks. But it's been a very long and crazy transition. I feel like I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. It's no. fascinating to to learn all that though. Yeah. I, but I could definitely see how it could be a dive bar at, at the. Right, early stages. Is. I don't want ever. I don't ever want to lose the divey right. aspect of it, even in the face of the the fact that we're going. We will at some point expand. We bought the property. We've been leasing since leasing that little strip of property since '94. Technically, we looked at it in '93. We we finally set ground and we we acquired the business in '94. My dad actually had the opportunity to buy the buy the land which was cheap back then. And he just didn't have the money and kick ourselves now because he didn't have the money. Cause it was like 
$200,000 to buy a whole bunch of like Gulf Boulevard property and he just didn't have it. Right. So we were held hostage, not I wouldn't say hostage, but we were paying rent for a very long time to our landlord who was very, you know, he was very good with us and it, but it was we're paying rent for so many years and we and like maybe about 5 or 6 years ago we started kind of chipping away at him you know just what i, I want to look at the future we have we are we are outgrowing our space we want right. to expand we need more space not even just for more seats but just because the kitchen is struggling and we don't have storage and really is rough it's really rough in the spot that we're at so either way long story short we we came to an agreement and we as of July 31st last year, we closed on the property. So we own what is now the VIP, but we also own the unit on each side. We own the one that ah. was, it was called Tracy's Treasures between us and Ricky T's. And then the tattoo shop, we also, we own that land as well. Nice. Well, congrats on that. Yeah, I, congratulations. I go back to just one little missing piece was your mom, it fell in her lap. You went off to, to school. You graduated. Then when did you end up running it? Right. So, so during, while I was in high school, I would work here every weekend. I would work in the kitchen every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And I can remember times where like on Sundays I would work, we didn't open till 12 at that point from 12 to six, I would work in that kitchen and I, I, we, I would make one taco. It was so slow back then where <laughs> it was such a, such a, in six hours, one taco for the, the regular customer that would come in and drink at the bar and he finally had to eat something because he was going to <laughs> eat. had to have a taco and i don't know what the reasoning for any of that was you know it was the the recipes were different and, and stuff but throughout high school i was doing that mm-hmm. and um then i you know i got accepted to the uf you know i had a full scholarship for business and uh i went and i i did my four-year degree I, I got it and, and during every summer I would come down here I would work I would work all the time here I would give like we had two main chefs at the time there was Rudy and Nilo Nilo's a guy who's still here been with us forever they're brothers Rudy was the first one that came here they're both from Oaxaca Mexico they both are um, they both transplanted to Chicago at some point and they they cooked there and then they ended up somehow in, in Florida and and somehow we were blessed with Rudy coming here and he was a hard worker. His brother Nilo followed him. His brother Nilo, probably more so, more of a chef. He was a sous chef. He worked under some really good chefs in in Chicago, you know, very high end things, you know. So when he came in here, he made some changes. So and not to like jump to like whatever would be the uh, the next question from you guys, but like, <laughs> oh, you hear that? Okay, um, somebody's working there. At that point, would be. Uh, you know, I would point at Nilo, but so anyway, I was, I was in UF and I was coming down during summers. And then when I, when I graduated college, this place was increasingly doing better. So my mother during that time, she did only thing she could do is just, just try to maintain and keep this thing afloat. We were in the red. It was bad. It was a bad time. She did the only thing she knew to do was she hired pretty bartenders and we were a bar and and people would come in and drink and we still had food but we were always at that point known for it was a hustling and bustling fast-paced loud jukebox blaring <laughs> it was a bar it was a bar it was fun and then late night people from you know across the street at the um, at the Billmar and all the other uh, hotels they come and spend their time after they got off work here and it was great 
and it was amazing for me coming here and and watching how many people would come in here and and and, and then the food was just growing. She employed one guy named before Rudy Nilo came, a guy named Lenny, that was changing some things on the menu a bit. He changed the menu a little bit, but I really would say once once Rudy and Nilo got in here, it it just flipped it upside down. And and when I when I got out of college, I I didn't know what to do. I had job offers from like Merrill Lynch. I was going to be an office guy. I was going right. to sit in an office. Raymond James, all these. Is crappy, you know, boring ass jobs, which I at the time <laughs> thought was really cool. Like, I like to have a big office. Like, I'm already thinking about what kind of things I'm gonna have on my on my desk. Uh, <laughs> it's really cool, like you know, things that will hold my pencils and pens and and organize. It sounds so great, but uh, somehow I knew there was something going on here that I my mom couldn't handle it. She was doing her best she could. She would call me at nights when I'm in college, crying about the stress about this place. So, so I I I got my real estate license. I did that for a little bit. I tried to go half and half. I tried to do real estate, like full-fledged, and this full-fledged, and I did not like real estate. I still have my license. I still, <laughs> I still do deals if anyone wants, but I, I, I keep my license just because I know it's valuable to have it. But yes, I it is. I'm, I'm a realtor, by the way. Okay, right on. So <laughs> I, I, keep, I do all the, the continuing education, all that stuff. I pay the money. I pay the dues, and it's, it's all worth it because every now and then there's someone that needs a deal done, and I, can, I still know how to write a contract and <laughs> do all that stuff. But uh, at the same time, that was not what I wanted to do. Right. And at one point, I don't know exactly when it was, but I, I decided that this is what I'm going to do. Um, this, is, this place has legs. There's something about this place that I see that people get out of it more so than just like good food or or good service or anything. There's some kind of intangible that I don't know if it's just this place. That's why I'm like I, I at one point we were really looking at, at looking at other locations to move. If if we weren't going to be able to buy this and we had to keep renting and if he wouldn't renew our lease, should we move? I know we could probably be fine somewhere else, but something about what we have going on here is freaking magical. Yeah, I, I you've got like a to total it. cult following for sure. Yeah, really? it has it has a personality. Yeah, it does completely. Yeah. I get what you're saying. That is a great story. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and get into some more details of what's happening today at VIP. We'll be right back with Nick Reposardi. Keep on moving. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. I love soup, and I'm always in search of a great soup. Ramen is just so complex and delicious with layers of complex flavors in its broth. Booyah Ramen is one of my favorite places in downtown St. Pete. So much so that I recently included them on my top five Asian noodle soups list for their pork belly ramen. Now Booyah's success is not just about the ramen. 
It's a hip, upbeat environment meant for unwinding and socializing with housecrafted cocktails, a large selection of Japanese whiskey, and izakaya, too. Those are small plates of different types of appetizers that are delicious, as well as the ramen. The ambiance of the place, along with the friendliness of the owners and staff, really adds to the character and charm of Buya. And to add to its coolness, the owners are actually opening up four more stores, one in Miami and three in Berlin of all places. Yes, Berlin, Germany. How cool is that? Buya Ramen is located at 911 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete and is open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Do ya, Buya? We are back! We are back! We are back with Nick Reposardi, the owner and manager of the VIP Mexican Restaurant and Lounge in Treasure Island. And we already mentioned in the beginning, you guys are, now we got to say the award-winning <laughs> VIP. Yeah, yes. Multiple awards. Yes. That's you're, cool. You're in Best Mexican <laughs> Restaurants, 10 Best Taco Places, and Best Mexican Restaurant overall for 2020 in our award show. Right hopefully, ne- next, hopefully next year we'll get to have the actual show and you'll get to come up on stage and accept an award and That's, stuff. That was the plan. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, yeah, that was definitely cool to think about. Red carpet gala event thing. Yeah. So hopefully next year. Hopefully. So, yeah. so VIP, you guys, it's Mexican, Tex-Mex, and even maybe, could you say some, like, I guess, Americanized versions of Mexican? Absolutely. That's why we kind of moved the, uh, like, so the technical name of the place is, we, I, I really toyed with the idea of, like, changing VIP because it, it was VIP lounge right. and Mexican restaurant. And people would come in and be like, wait, where's the lounge? And what, what's <laughs> going on? What is this? What? It's really confusing to people, and the fact that VIP is so kind of embedded into this area, I, I had to keep. I, I really did toy with the idea, like, oh, doing the the lazy lizard or the right the, something gecko, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, we we cover all the bases, and we used to have a sign that said authentic Mexican cuisine, and people used to really get up our butts about oh, this is not authentic. You put lettuce and tomato and cheese <laughs> right. on your taco. That's not authentic. I know. We understand it that whole debate of authentic. It happens all the time in our group. Right. People people want that. So we're going to offer what people want. So, yeah, if, if, and, and to, like, to reference what you said, we, we do, yeah, we do a little bit of authentic. We do some Tex-Mex. We, we do some Americanized. We do some fusion things. We do Asian stuff kind of put into it. So whatever people like, you know. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. One, one of my favorites is the beef tamale. I think it's outstanding. The, the flavor and the seasoning, it's just mm, really good. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the Cajun fish taco. Nice. It's a little bit spicy, but also tangy, salty, and sweet. Really? I'm the Americanized Tex-Mex girl who loves fajitas. And I, right, well, right. the first time we ate there, I declared yours the best fajitas I'd ever had. Awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, we get a lot of things about like we, we give, we try to give large portions, but we want to make sure it's not just because we're getting a lot of food that it's actually good food, but we, we still want to maintain that we're making sure that people are getting value for their money. But like I, I go to, I go to, I'm not gonna. Well, I go to other restaurants. I'm not gonna mention names that have fajitas that like buy one get one, all that stuff. And fajitas come out, and it's pretty paltry. It's pretty small, and and I get that. But we try to make sure that we're putting out something that has a lot of substance to it, and it's and it's still it's still quality. That's right. Probably and- the only reason why like we we are where we are now is that consistency and quality has to be 
number one. Right. For us. And my biggest problem with fajitas, if we if we stick there, is a, a lot of places just don't season the meat, and it comes out, and I'm like, there's no flavor uh, here. And yours right. just had great flavor. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we keep changing our seasoning blend, too. For, oh. It's funny. Like, it will probably taste different next time because we, uh, we get a fajita seasoning, and then we, we add our own touches to it, and we mix mm-hmm. it together, and we, we – we, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot a lot going on in there, and, and I appreciate that you, you do yeah. see well, that we – Well, just for the fact that you season it because some places just don't. It tastes like air. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We won't name any names, though. Right. <laughs> yeah, here's here's one that you need to try, Lori, the Philly Steak Burrito. Oh, yeah. I love Philly steaks. Right. Yeah, you guys have all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, so I think it is a good sum up to say there's some of the, quote, more authentic Mexican, mm-hmm. the Americanized versions, and Tex-Mex. And right. It, you know, everybody has their own idea of what authentic is, but that doesn't really matter. It's it's great food. Yes. And what are, what are you guys doing now? Are you still doing... 25% capacity or have, have you gone up to 50%? So we have, and I just noticed, I was looking at my Facebook today and the, the I have to keep changing. Like we have to keep changing stuff, I know. unfortunately, and that's necessary, but I know it still reads on our Facebook page, 25%, but we are, we have, and from us going from 25% to 50% capacity inside our restaurant really amounted to adding one table. Right, right. Because right. That's I not figured, old. I was picturing the restaurant, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we had, I think, five tables. Now we have six because you can't do any bar seating. Right. So there's like about 20 seats at the bar. Those are still out of the picture. And we have a couple of seats that we, a couple of tables that we had to take out. So it, it's really a weird and odd time to be operating. And you learn a lot. You learn so much about how you do your takeout mm-hmm. and how you're, it, and I hate to like, and not to, not to say this is a good thing. It's a horrible tragedy, but you have to try to pick out the little pieces of things that you can learn from and find the positives that you can grow from for your business. And there's been quite a few things that we've, we've learned about how, Oh, we've been doing this wrong, you know, now this and that. And <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's been, a, it's been a very educational thing, but yeah, 50% outside is a hundred percent. We still have our six tables, but we moved them all spaced out six feet apart. Right. And then we also, when it comes to our wait list, we we moved it and then we had it like we said we would say only five five parties on the wait list so we don't have a bunch of people waiting right, all over the place and, right. and kind of negating the whole idea of not having large gatherings right we now now we have we've allowed it to 10 parties on the list as long as that and then we have to police it we still do we have to go out there and say listen you guys and, and it sucks to do it but we do it anyway and say you either have to wait in your car i know it's hot outside but this is what you have to deal with to and i'm glad to hear that you but, do that I think that's yeah. very, um, very good. And yeah. are you guys doing breakfast now at 8 a.m.? I thought I read. So we do. So we, what we had done. So for a long time, we did. We, we introduced breakfast maybe like seven or eight years ago. And we would do during season because it was busy every Sunday between like Valentine's Day and Memorial Day. Every Sunday we would do breakfast because we know like, it's going to be busy enough that it makes sense to do it. And we might get some business. It grew and it became. It, that also got a cult following that people want it all the freaking time. I, I work it. I'm in the kitchen doing it, and I have to get here at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, so wow. we decided last year that we were going to do – and it was actually recommended by a staff member ours, Bex, that, you know, how about we do – we can say we can do it all year long, but we pick one Sunday every month to do breakfast, and we've done that. We skipped January this year. We did 
February. Um, I think we skipped March. We, we've skipped January. It was just a tough time. A lot was going on here. We lost a really good employee of ours, and he was the one that worked with me all the time. So, but at that point, so basically, not to answer your question, we do do breakfast. We have a schedule that's listed online. I think I need to make sure I update better. But one Sunday per month, from nine to eleven, we let people in at eight because it, we, we develop a crowd outside. We let them in at eight o'clock you can get your tables you can have some mimosas or whatever we're allowed to serve alcohol at that point right and we start taking if i'm ready in the kitchen i'll start taking orders at 8 30 but we say 9 to 11 we do the breakfast and it's it's pretty awesome i wish we could do it all year long right. but i need to find someone that can do it instead of myself that's cool, cool. that's cool that's great well and you guys are i'm just going to say location is on gulf boulevard in treasure island it's 10625 Gulf Boulevard, Treasure Island, kind of across the street from the Billmore, I think you mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah. And the the website is? Uh, it's in, We need to get a better one, but it's uh, www.viplounge, I guess it's a dash, FLA.com. It's the little like minus sign, FLA.com. That's all I could find at that point. There was a lot of VIP lounges out at the time. And I tried to find like a new one recently to try to move to like just VIP tacos, but right. someone's got that one already. So that's that's our website. But the best way to do it is just go on go on Google and just Google VIP Mexican. Right. We pop up yeah. very quick. That's what I do. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, okay, so did you have something? No. Get that lightning yes, round. We have a lightning, ready for round. The lightning yes. round. I made up a brand new lightning round that we've never done before just for you. And it's, so it's a okay. it's a Mexican lightning round. Mostly food, but not 100% food. You'll see how it goes. Ready? Okay. Tacos or burritos? Tacos. Hard shell or soft? Soft. Soft corn, not flour. Soft corn, good. (laughs) Salsa verde or roja? Verde. Pinto beans or black? Pinto. Jalapeno or habanero? Jalapeno. Posale or chicken tortilla soup? What was the first one? Posale. Oh, pozole? Pozole, sorry. <laughs> pozole, okay. Yeah, all day long pozole. If we could ever make that, I eat it all day long. Yeah, me, me too. Carnitas or conchinita pibil? Uh, carnitas. Tijuana or Cancun? <laughs> Tijuana all day long, baby. <laughs> what a question, honey. <laughs> Mole sauce or adobo? Mole. Tequila or mezcal? Tequila. Mezcal's gross. Ew, gross. Excellent. That's 10 questions for the Mexican lightning round. So once again, just we will have on our blog post, we'll have the link to the website. Obviously, you can just Google it. And also for the Facebook. Once again, it's on Gulf Boulevard in Treasure Island, the VIP Mexican restaurant and lounge. Thank you, Nick. It was great having you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for giving me the time to do this. This is Eric. And this is Tanner from Pacific Counter. And And you're you're listening listening to to the the St. Petersburg Foodies Foodies Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You went with St. Pete. We finally have a new top 10 list out. We did have top 10 lists scheduled for every month this year, but the last one was released on February 20th for best Mexican places. We stopped because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and now we finally have a new one. I already had this done for March, but we put it on hold. And we decided that now that all of these 10 places are open, it's time to release the 10 best places for tacos in St. Pete. So check for that on the website. While restaurants are still at 50% capacity, the city of St. Pete has blocked off parking spaces in several areas downtown, 
enabling restaurants to add more outdoor seating. And this is great since most places can't make a profit at 50%. More restaurants are still opening every day. And we are maintaining a huge list for St. Pete on who is open and what they're offering, such as dine-in, inside or outside seating, delivery and takeout. And we have the largest list in the area that covers St. Pete, downtown, north, west, Tyrone to Pasadena, also including Gulfport and St. Pete Beach. And we give you the complete address, website link, hours and days of operation, whether they offer inside, outside or both, takeout or delivery and delivery. And the phone numbers are tapped to call to make it easy to get in touch. Nobody else has that information on their so-called list of what's open. There's a bunch of those lists out there, and they are so far from complete. To find our list, just go to stpetersburgfoodies.com, and it's linked right at the top of the homepage. And it is updated for June now. Next week on the show, we have Dan Pemberton from Pesky Pelican Brew Pub. And if you would like to spam us... Just send it to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Nick Rapasardi. And thanks to our sponsors, Noble Crust, Pacific Counter, Buya Ramen, and, and Engine, Engine Number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Tamales, enchiladas, tacos, frijoles, tostados, harachas, sarapes, 